some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. It's Monday. It's December the 16th, 2019. Yep, week and a half from Christmas. This is a Quick Six. I'm Jason Martin. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone, host of the Big Six. Several other shows here on 104.5 is on. Also, of course, the Jason Martin Show, heard nationally on Fox Sports Radio on Sunday mornings. This may be a little bit shorter because there's not as much college football to discuss, but certainly there's a lot of local football to discuss. The only Big Six this week will be a 30-minute edition prior to a bowl game on Friday. So this is the one chance I really have to speak to you. Of course, you heard me this morning, potentially, uh, with Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage as I was hosting along with him. I'll do the same thing tomorrow morning as well. And then just, if you wanted to put it on your schedules, I'm hosting Outkick on Christmas Eve, on the day after Christmas, and on New Year's Day, as well as hosting uh, on 3HL the day after Christmas and the day after the day after Christmas uh, next week. Also, so you will hear from me in a variety of different spots, plus a whole lot of content going up at the Big Six blog. Tomorrow I am headed to a private screening, press screening event for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So you'll have a review that you can read about that before you have a chance to see it. So obviously I'll take that responsibility carefully and there won't be any spoilers there. Watchmen season finale review went up last night, of course. Uh, Titans takeaway piece, we'll be kind of going into that here in just a second. Uh, Mandalorian new episode review is up. I uh, wrote several movie reviews last week. This week I'll be writing on Jojo Rabbit in addition to The Rise of Skywalker and maybe uh, a movie or two past that also. So a lot to go at the Big Six blog. That's 1045zone.com slash Big Six blog. But let's get to it so that we can get done with it. Colts and Saints is tonight on Monday Night Football. Boy, when they first set up that matchup this late in the season... Uh, when they made that decision, they were probably pretty excited. It's going to be Andrew Luck and Drew Brees, two likely playoff teams, maybe two contenders at that. And instead, you have one contender and you've got a Colts team that's probably not going to make the playoffs. So not a great look in terms of luck for ESPN, but you can't always control what's going to happen in sports. Ravens beat the Jets on Thursday night. No surprise. Lamar Jackson just tearing up this league. You you heard the Big Six on Friday, and we did a little bit of it on uh, Fox Sunday morning on the show as well. Just the idea of starting to take a loss. People needing to give it up and just accept that Lamar Jackson is pretty good. And instead of saying it's not sustainable, I'm going to start. When I hear it's not sustainable, that is code for he's pretty good right now. That's how I'm going to hear it. Yesterday, Patriots beat the Bengals. There's the taping controversy. The Patriots have given you no reason to believe they haven't done something nefarious here. The audio isn't really great. If you listen to them basically saying, let's act like this didn't happen, that's not a good look. But the Patriots are probably not going to face much of any penalty for this. I don't know. I thought it might have had something to do with the TV show, and maybe it still does, but I... There's a lot around this organization every handful of years that is going to scar some. I remember we used to take phone calls 
um, when I was executive producer for Clay in the mornings on Fox, and we'd have a lot of people calling up wanting to get on the air to talk about how Brady should never be in the Hall of Fame, nor should Belichick. They're all frauds, all this. I think you can glom onto that and make it a lot bigger deal than it probably is. But when you do things like this, all it does is give people the opportunity to take their displeasure or their hatred for you and use it to go after you, even if they don't agree with it to the extent that they're acting like. Like in a lot of ways, I think it reflects it's a similar thing to Greg Schiano with Tennessee fans. Tennessee fans didn't want him because they didn't think he was a good enough football coach. But they did go a little bit too far in my eyes when they started appealing to the Penn State side of things and and saying things about Shiano that were flat out wrong. Lions, terrible. Three win team. Expectation is Patricia's going to be back because he has such ties and such love inside that front office. But the teams quit on him. The Bucks beat them by three touchdowns. Jameis Winston had a ridiculous game yesterday, especially in the first half. They won that thing in a laugher. They were a 500 team. Tampa Bay is seven and seven. The Lions are three ten and one. What else is new? Packers are eleven and three. Beat the Bears. Aaron Rodgers had a, a decent day. Aaron Jones had another good day. I don't think the Packers are that great. But I think that almost everybody has flaws, and I would still rather have flaws with Aaron Rodgers as my quarterback. The Packers have quietly not looked impressive over this last stretch of games, especially if you look at them statistically, the points they're putting up and the yardage totals. They're winning games. They're not winning them by much. And this Bears team now back down to 500. Trubisky, he wasn't awful, but he wasn't great. This game was just kind of a slog, and it was won because it was at Lambeau, maybe more so than anything else. Chiefs crushed the Broncos. Chiefs are 10-4. Mahomes, 340 and two touchdowns. Locke is going to have ups and downs if they're going to stick with him. And the Broncos just aren't a good team. This solidifies another losing record for them. Absolutely no way now to get to 8-8 eight eight now that they're 5-9. and nine. So it's gone very, very poorly for the Denver Broncos in this last several years i know that as a suffering fan jt and i it's it's hard to watch right now and the chiefs are going to probably host a playoff game at least one and if the titans do get in the expectation is they would get in at the six and so they'll go to kansas city and if they do they'll lose giants 36 dolphins 20 that's eli's probably last home start one that he didn't even know he's going to get he threw two scores. They beat a bad Dolphins team. These are two now 3-11 football teams, but they scored 29 points in the second half, so it's like this good kind of send-off moment for Eli, despite the fact that he threw three interceptions in the game. But it's nice to see him get a decent send-off. The Giants are an awful organization that have been misrun so badly. Bad mistakes made, drafting running backs when you don't have a quarterback. Just a lot of things that have gone wrong there. And that's going to maybe make it easier for the Dolphins to get a quarterback they want. Redskins lose to the Eagles 37-27, but Dwayne Haskins actually looked a little bit better out there, looked more like a leader. There are starting to be some positive things said about the rookie from Ohio State right now. Eagles are 7-7. Seven and seven. Playoff hopes are still there for them, if you can believe it. The Eagles and the Cowboys are going to meet up, and one of those teams is going to make the playoffs. And the Cowboys absolutely drubbed the Rams. So maybe that was just a one-week reprieve for the L.A. Rams. Last week when they beat Seattle and looked good doing so, this week they got absolutely humiliated in Dallas. Dak had a nice day. Goff struggled mightily. 
They scored, I think the Cowboys scored points on seven straight possessions in that game. Just walked all over Sean McVay's football team and put them back on the outside looking in as it relates to the playoffs a little bit deeper looking in. They've still got a shot, but some things have to go their way. So here we go, Super Bowl hangover. You don't win the Super Bowl when you're in it. Getting back can be awfully, awfully difficult. Seahawks rebounded in Carolina against a team that seems to just kind of be ready to be done with the year. Now, they played hard yesterday, but they lost 30-24. to They're 5-9. and I don't think they wanted to see their head coach fired. It just kind of left them rudderless, and they didn't get inspired to play on his behalf. They just kind of didn't want to be there anymore. They're going to have a new quarterback in the offseason. There's going to be a lot of changes surrounding that team. Speculation of maybe Mike McCarthy, maybe Greg Roman ends up there. They need a stabilizing force, and they need somebody that's going to be able to bring a new-look offense into what they're doing because so much of it is stodgy outside of certainly Christian McCaffrey. Gardner Minshew and the Jags, 5-9, and nine, beat the Raiders. The Raiders will lose again. They're now 6-8. and eight. Remember when they were going to make the playoffs? Yeah. Not so good, Al. Not anymore. Jacobs got hurt. Titans beat him. Carr has not looked good recently. The defense has not looked good. When you lose to the Jags, you've done something wrong at this point in the season. So this was the last game in that building. So there was they had all this emotion, and they were supposed to play up to it, and they lost 20-16. to 16. Gruden, I, you know, he's not a bad coach. He's just an average coach. And he, I don't think he has a quarterback that he believes in and wants. So there's going to be a lot of changes there, too, and it's not just going to be where they're playing football in their home games. Cardinals over the Browns. Remember when the Browns were going to make the playoffs? Yeah, not so much. They're also 6-8. and eight. Four and nine for the Cardinals. Kyler Murray had a nice day. The, the offense for the Cards looked good. The Browns are another team that just doesn't seem like they want to be there right now. Their front office is saying, you know, Dorsey and them are saying that they're behind Freddie Kitchens. I find that hard to believe. If they are, then I don't know why they are. What, how much do you need to see here? It just, he didn't need that job to begin with. That was a bad decision and it's probably squandered at least a year. And who knows what kind of irreparable damage it's done just to what could have been a chemistry mix. I don't know. Maybe it couldn't have been. There were too many personalities there. That's why I told you they weren't going to make the playoffs, except maybe they'd fight for a wild card late because their schedule was weak, which is exactly what happened. But they're not going to get a wild card. And the Cardinals, it's just the fourth win, but you do see some flashes of good things on the offensive side. Their defense is just not good. Neither is their offensive line. Those two things are going to have to be shored up in the offseason if they want to take any kind of good steps. Chargers turned the ball over seven times to the Vikings defense and the defense won 39 to 10 over LA. LA's 5 and 9. They're bad. They have barely, they barely even have a fan base right now. Vikings are going to make the playoffs. They're 10 and 4. Should be them and the Packers coming out of there and Minnesota's looking okay right now. I still am not going to trust Kirk Cousins when we get to the postseason, but like I said, every one of these teams seems to have some flaw. There's no way that you look at it and just say utter juggernaut on the NFC side of the equation. Why? Because the one that you might have gone with, the 49ers, found a way because of Julio Jones and two seconds left for Kyle Shanahan to lose to the Atlanta Falcons. I guess maybe that's making up for the fact that at 28-3, to he was the offensive coordinator that didn't know how to use that clock effectively enough with Matt Ryan to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. The Falcons had been playing better. 
So it's not a terrible surprise that they played them tough, but this is still a bad loss because the 49ers were the number one seed, and now they're the number five seed because the Seahawks are the top seed in the NFC, which shows to me how tenuous it is because this is a stat that will boggle your mind about the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have won an NFL record 10 one-score games. 10. They're 10-1 and one in games decided by a touchdown or less. That's absurd. People talk about sustainable as it relates to Lamar Jackson. The most unsustainable thing outside of just being uncanny healthy for a football team year in and year out is to be able to continually win close games. And if you can do that, then you're probably a legendary franchise. This Seahawks team, I don't think they're that good, but they do have an elite quarterback, so they're never out of games. They can run the ball, so if they get a lead, then they can hold on to that lead in the most dull way possible if need be. But 10 one-score games, that is unbelievable. And then we get to Steelers-Bills. Steelers don't have a quarterback, man. The Titans may well still make the playoffs because the Steelers have no quarterback. The Steelers, if they could have just beaten the Bills last night, this would not be a debate that we would be having right now too strongly. But because of that loss, because the Bills were able to get, you know, solidify their playoff life at 10 and 4, the Steelers now have to win both their last games if the Titans beat the Texans in the final week. That's even if they lose to the Saints. Uh, there are different, like, weird permutations of this. But the short version is, if the Titans beat the Texans in the final week of the season in Houston, in a game where Houston may not have anything left to play for, if they beat them in that game, then the Steelers have to win their last two, or the Titans are going to jump them in the standings, even though right now Pittsburgh holds that last wildcard spot at six. That's kind of crazy. It almost seems like the Titans should have that number six spot, but just because of the record currently, they don't. But the FPI says that the Titans have a 50% chance to make the playoffs while the Steelers have a 45% chance currently to get that wild card spot. So really, the Titans still control this thing to a degree, but they need the Steelers to lose one game, and they have to beat the Texans, even if they lose to the Saints, which I think they're going to do, if you want my prediction. My coin flip is still undefeated. My coin flip said that the Titans were going to lose to the Texans, and honestly, that's the way I felt about it. But I tried to kind of keep that bit alive. You could just see this coming. I don't think any of us expected the kicking game to be this bad, but they're 8 of 18 this season from in field goals. Suckup was blocked again. He's only converted one since he came back from injury out of six tries. That's not good enough. Return game. The pickup of the football within the five yards there near the end zone where Vrabel lost his mind on, I don't know if it's Kaharski or not. I didn't see the presser. I just saw people talking about it here just a little while ago. Um, somebody asked why would he pick that football up, and Romo actually kind of explained that on the air, that if they're going to down it on the one-yard line, Vrabel may have told this guy, look, pick this thing up and just you know go with it and try to get a couple yards out of it. We don't need them to down it on the one-yard line. And maybe that's what was about to happen. It still seemed like the wrong decision to make, but that might have been the logic behind it. Tannehill still played okay yesterday, had that weird fluke interception that maybe if that doesn't happen, this game goes a different way. The momentum looked to go in one direction, and then after Merciless grabbed that, 
somehow that ball went off of Ferkser's hands and didn't hit the ground and went straight to Merciless, and then he ran the thing 90-some yards down the field, and Johnu made that crazy tackle, but they still scored the touchdown there, so the tackle can be kind of forgotten just because the defense couldn't stop him afterwards. If that doesn't happen, they might win the game. But they missed the field goal. They got the field goal blocked. Tannehill turned that football over. That was the only turnover of the game for Tennessee. But if you look at them statistically across the board, the Titans had fewer turnovers. They had more total yards. They had one more first down. Uh, they were 5 of 10 on third downs, I believe. One of, them, one of the teams was 4 of 10. One of them was 5, and, five of 10. So neither one was great on third down, although, you know, 50%, I've seen a lot worse as it relates to that. But things like if you look at Tannehill, he was 22 of 36 for 279 and two touchdowns. He was sacked twice, one of them he shouldn't have taken, and one interception. But Deshaun Watson threw two picks. Great play by Kenny Vaccaro. And Jayon Brown got him as well in the end zone. So Watson was a little bit off. The key to this game, really... Henry didn't look totally healthy. Uh, he went early, and then you saw a little bit more Deion Lewis on the field, even though he wasn't. He only had three carries in the game. Derrick Henry had 21. That's not a bad day for him, but he just there was no fingerprint for Derrick Henry in that second half the way that you kind of expected. He had like one series early in the third where, oh, well, here's the Derrick Henry you expect to see in the second half of football games, and then that was just kind of it. And then on the flip side... Carlos Hyde, 26 carries, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Titans have been great defensively against the run this year, right outside the top 10 going into this week. And their pass defense was bottom five in the league. 28th, I believe, is where they were, according to Football Outsiders' DVOA rankings. So they could be had in the pass game. And they were. Hopkins made plays. Fuller made plays. Stills was a benefactor of those guys being covered so tightly, and he had two touchdown grabs in the game. Watson's a good quarterback. They picked him apart a lot. The secondary is thin, especially without a Dory out there. Once Malcolm went down, it just hasn't seemed the same, the depth. it's Thin is the word to describe it. But you can't let Carlos Hyde go for 100 yards, which he hasn't done very much at all in his career. I mean, he every time they needed something, some burst, he would give them six yards, or he would give them five, or he would give them seven, or he would fall forward when you needed him to go the opposite direction. He just had a big day, and that is the one thing you could not have if the pass defense wasn't going to be exquisite. And at times it was, but there were also far too many times where that trio of wideouts that are just a terror for Houston were running free and standing there wide open to catch passes. So now the Titans will not win the AFC South unless somehow the Texans just blow it in both their last two games. But that's not going to happen. Could Tampa beat them? Yes. Will they? I don't think so. I don't think we're going to see the laps. I think the last laps the Texans were going to show in the regular season came against Denver last week. They came in inspired, ready to prove something, a little bit angry, and they came in and they beat Tennessee in their house. I was not there because I had all sorts of other things going on yesterday, family-wise, and just just things going on. But on TV, that did not look like the code blue that I would bet you the Titans wanted to see. There were a lot of empty seats in the club level. Didn't seem like all the people were dressed. Maybe they were, and it just didn't reflect well. But you didn't see the cameras showing the wide shot, and that's it. That is a clear example that they knew it wasn't that great a shot. 
if everybody had shown up in two-tone blue and it was just blue all through that place, especially if it was all that light, that baby blue, that titan blue, that they would have shown that shot. They would have shown a lot of examples of that crowd, and you just didn't get it. The crowd was loud at times, but this, I don't think, was the environment that they were hoping for, especially considering the rain held off and then began late last night. And, of course, it's raining right now. Also, man, Zach Cunningham, was he still – it's like he'd never left West End, and he knew this town really well because what a game he had, 14 tackles. He made some serious hits, too. In this game, he was everywhere. I don't know that we anticipated that coming into it, but he was phenomenal in this football game. But the Titans now don't fully control their own destiny. They've got to beat Houston. There's no doubt about that. It would help if they won out, but the Steelers losing to the Bills leaves them a decent level of hope just because, again, the quarterback situation is not good in Pittsburgh. And they've got at the Jets, which is a losable game, Potentially, even though I think they, they'll probably find a way to win it. I'll, I'll figure that out. I'm not sure as of yet. But then they go to Baltimore. Baltimore's maybe not going to have any reason to play, so it could be the Texan situation again. And let's say, for the sake of argument, that the Steelers go ahead and win against the Jets, then the Ravens may just lay down. and may, you know Lamar may not play. They may not try very hard, and the Steelers might be able to coast. It could go the opposite way where the Texans feel the same way because they can't get higher on the totem pole either, and they've already locked up the division. They can afford a split with Tennessee, so Deshaun doesn't play, Hopkins doesn't play, and then the Titans are able to cruise and win the game. But if both of them do that, then the Steelers are still going if they beat the Jets. That's the thing. You don't control your own destiny anymore. Your margin for error evaporated. It got so small because of the losses you had previously suffered, the the key ones being the Bills and the Broncos, that now you have to win out. You have to assume you need to win out. You can, theoretically, lose to the Saints and beat the Texans as long as the Steelers lose and still get in as the six. But I wouldn't leave it up to chance. Uh, and also, I don't know if I'd want to want two losses going into the final week of the season. I don't think it's going to matter because I think the Saints are going to come here with 10 wins and leave here with 11. And, you know, my prediction has been the whole time that the Titans were not going to make the playoffs. I'm tempted to back off that now and say that because of just because of the format here and because of what happened with the Steelers last night, I just don't trust their quarterbacks. And I find it hard to believe that they're going to win both these last two games, although the Steelers' defense has been really, really, really good. Uh, has kept them in games they had no business being in. So as long as the quarterback doesn't go out there and lose it for them, they're going to have an opportunity. The defense might victimize Sam Darnold, and if so, then they'll beat the Jets, and they'll be, they'll still be in position going into the final week of the season. But that's a look right now. It was unfortunate that they lost, but this this was predictable, really. The Titans did not go out there and lay down and die. It wasn't their best performance. The defense let them down, I thought, against the run. The special teams, I don't even know what to say. It came down to a field goal, but you can't say if he makes a field goal, they tie or they win. You don't know what happens if he makes a field goal. Every decision that was made after that would have changed. Space-time continuum stuff. Watch Back to the Future, kids. And then, you know, I was going to talk a lot about the Heisman because Joe Burrow won this thing by the largest margin we've ever seen. And... I will say this. I did an entire hour on this on the Fox show yesterday morning, on Sunday morning. 
And I talked about, I went back and I reflected the same thing that we have talked about on the Big Six a couple of times this year because we keep seeing examples of it. And that is that everything that's under your Christmas tree right now or everything that's going to be under it over the next few weeks, that stuff has a price tag. Some amount of money went to make that possible to be in your home. Everything that you're doing, every food that you're eating, every grocery that you're buying, everything's got a price. But time doesn't. Time is priceless. And it's why I never take for granted the time that you spend here listening to me in any form or reading what I write or anything that I do. Any, any piece of content that I put out there that you consume, I don't take it for granted because I know how much competition is out there and I know how valuable your time is, especially if you've got young children. But Joe Burrow was a 200 to 1 favorite before the season. 200 to 1 odds, not favorite. Favorite's the wrong way to even describe it. 200 to 1 to win the Heisman. And he went from 200 to 1 to maybe number 1 in the NFL draft. And thanked his coach because for three years he couldn't get on the field at Ohio State. And Ed Orgeron took a chance on him. And he teared up talking about how Coach O didn't know if he could play. Burrow himself wasn't sure he could even play anymore. And then we see what's happened. And I guess the, what I was left with was an inspiring, uplifting feeling about my own life. And again, another one of those, Tony Bennett telling the University of Virginia after they became the first 16 to lose to a one when they lost to Maryland, Baltimore County, that this is our story. This is a chapter in it, but it's not the end of it. The book has not been closed. We're not sending this to the publisher. And so the story continued. They went from a laughing stock, the biggest joke we've ever seen in the NCAA tournament, to cutting down the nets one year later. And Joe Burrow last year was sort of an average player who finally had transferred to a school that was not known for quarterbacks at all. And so he's just a less, next in the line of LSU quarterbacks is going to lose to Alabama. And that's not how it went down. And so my message continues to be, the one that keeps reverberating inside my own head, the one that I feel someone has planted there for me to say, is that your station in life today doesn't have to be your station a year from now, or certainly five years from now, or a decade from now. And it doesn't mean that you can necessarily plan where you want to be in five years. You don't know how life is going to go. You don't know what challenges you're going to face. You don't know what successes you're going to have. You don't know all of those things. But you also don't know where you're not going to be. But as long as you can accept where you are, but know that there is somewhere else to go, the car is still driving down that highway, then amazing things can happen. You can be a number one seed that loses to a 16 and then wins the national championship. You can be a guy who had to transfer from a school that he loved so dearly in his own state because he just kept getting passed over and then ends up winning the Heisman Trophy and he's about to have an unbelievable day coming up in the NFL draft and may win a national championship here in a handful of weeks. You can do that. You can be rags to riches. You can be riches to rags to riches. Tiger Woods, top of the world, bottom of the world, and now back to the top of the world. He won the Masters, and then he goes 3-0 in the President's Cup, and as a captain 
of the United States team. He brought them back from the dead, basically, against the world, and he won the President's Cup over the weekend. And then, uh, one more parting thought about the Heisman. How fitting was it that the top two vote-getters were Joe Burrow, who was 200 to 1, and who had to leave Ohio State just for somebody to take a chance on him, and that somebody was Coach O, who in a lot of ways I think somebody took a chance on Coach O to give him that job. And then number two was a guy who lost his job and went through unthinkable circumstances in his own mind, I'm sure, in his own heart, when he was benched for Tua Tonga Vailoa in the national championship game. Kept his head down, didn't quit on his team and didn't quit on himself. Was called back into action in the SEC title game last year against Georgia. Won that game. And then left school after graduating from the University of Alabama in the most classy, dignified way imaginable. Went to Oklahoma. Followed up back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. And then finished second in the voting this year. And he's in the college football playoff. And the team that he had to leave, the school that he had to leave so that he could get one more year starting on the college level. That team, that Alabama team, they're not going to be in a college football playoff. You're stationed today. As long as you don't give up and assume this is as good as it's ever going to get and live based on that philosophy, if you just realize that your station today is not your station a year from now, where you find yourself, whatever it is, and I don't know what it is that you're going through, but whatever it is that you're dealing with, that's not necessarily the end of your story. In fact, it's almost assuredly not. I don't know what the future holds for you. I know there's a lot of things that are coming in the next year or two in my life. I think that there's probably a child at some point in the next year and a half or two. I think that there could be professional changes. There's all sorts of things that might happen, and I don't know. And there are things that right now I can tell you I'm not content with in my life, things that I have done uh, not to the degree that I want to do them. And there are things that just kind of sit there and rumble, and I've put those to the side, and I've actually handed those off to somebody who can handle them. And I've said, I trust you. But I know that those things that are still weighing on me today, that's not the end of my story. Joe Burrow went from 200 to one to number one in the country, in the college football playoff, in the Heisman voting, and maybe in the NFL draft. There's so much negativity in sports media and media in general. It's about nitpicking this performance and that performance and turning this into a joke and trying to stand on a higher platform than the other guy next to you doing the same job. There's so much of that that I'm glad that occasionally a story like this can uplift us in the opposite direction. Things could go badly for you in the next year. I hope they don't. But there are ups and downs for all of us. But just know that As bad as you might think things are right now, that's not where they're always going to be. Joe Burrow is a prime example of it. Jalen Hurts is a prime example of it. The University of Virginia is a prime example of it. Maybe the Tennessee Vols football program is a prime example of it. 
even from beginning of the season to end of the season. Time and patience. Those things are priceless. I'll talk to you soon. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. And good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on when you're consuming this podcast. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. We'll see you.